Welcome to the Natural Health Rising podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Smith, Certified Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Practitioner. I'm here to deliver you weekly episodes where you will hear conversations with health experts and solo episodes about functional medicine and all things holistic health. My goal is to provide you with the knowledge and tools you need in order to help you rise to your healthiest, happiest self. So today you're going to hear my conversation with Barbara Madimenos. So Barbara's a nutritional health coach located in Montreal, Quebec, and she's been practicing since 2018. Originally, she was a journalist, but she was always pulled into speaking about mental health and nutrition. Now, as an FDNP, she specializes in women's metabolic disorders like hypothalamic, amenorrhea, eating disorders, PCOS, hypothyroidism, and so forth. I really enjoyed this conversation with Barbara because it's a pretty raw conversation, and she goes back into her life before she started healing from all of her health issues. And you will hear her struggles with anorexia and how she developed osteoporosis and amenorrhea at a very young age. And if you don't know what those are, osteoporosis normally develops when you are, you know, 50, 60 years old, your bones are becoming brittle. And amenorrhea is where you have no period as a female. And so she will talk about how she overcame these issues through natural means. And then we also get into talking about the root causes of amenorrhea, birth control, vegan diets, the importance of sufficient fats and protein, metabolism optimization and cell optimization, and we talk about drainage pathways in the body and how to support those. So this is jam-packed with some really interesting and good information. And please disregard the strange (laughs) fan noise that you're hearing or there's like a little bit of air you're hearing when I'm speaking in this episode. I was was actually living in Costa Rica for three months. Um, I just got back to the United States a month ago and I recorded this episode there. And I remember I was sitting in an office with the door closed so I could get some peace and quiet And there's no air conditioning in the building I'm in. And so I'm dying in the humidity and I had a fan blowing on me while I was recording this episode. So hopefully that doesn't bug anybody too much. But yeah, enjoy the episode. Like I said, it is jam-packed with some amazing information and I hope you all enjoy. So to start off, um, I'd love to hear more about your story, kind of what led you to doing the work that you do today. Yeah, sure. So um many years ago, I was diagnosed with an eating disorder at 13. And um, it took me a really long time to uh, get a hold of it. I'm 28 now. And um, back in 2017, I kind of hit rock bottom. Um, You know, my body was just failing in any shape and or form that you could imagine from not being able to digest food, um, hair falling out cold all the time, Um, and you know, I started recovery then. And then once 2018 hit, um, I was, I guess you could say in quasi recovery and I ended up breaking my hip Mm. and I ended up in the hospital and that's when I got a diagnosis of osteoporosis. And I was like, okay, I got to, I got to change my life. And so I went back to school um, to become a health coach and to see if I could not just help myself, but help other people who were dealing with eating disorders and the repercussions that it's had on their health. Um, And 
here we are today. Wow, that is a kind of a crazy story to happen at a young age. And the eating disorder, what specifically was it? Um, I was dealing with anorexia. And so that um, possibly kind of started to strip your body of minerals that maybe led to the osteoporosis. And Exactly. Yeah, I wow. mean, not only that, but I had lost my period for so long. I had hypothalamic amenorrhea for maybe close to close to 15 years, but it's 14 years. Exactly. Um, so not having your period, not having that, um, beneficial, um, the benefits of ovulation in which, you know, help build bone density, um, the adequate hormone production from not just estrogen, progesterone and testosterone, um, you know, poor thyroid function, all these things, you know, they accumulate and it thus ended into, a poor, um, my bones deteriorating. Wow. And can you explain hypothalamic amenorrhea? Um, is there a difference between that and just typical amenorrhea? So hypothalamic amenorrhea is, um, a poor signaling response between the hypothalamus pituitary and adrenals. Um, now typical amenorrhea, there's two types of amenorrhea. There's primary and secondary. Secondary amenorrhea would be considered more of what is hypothalamic amenorrhea because there's an actual, um, there's a, there's an, it's a stress on the body and someone hasn't had their period. I believe in, I think it's more than three months that they would consider it, um, to be con like, to be considered hypothalamic, um, primary amenorrhea to my understanding is that you've never had your period. Okay. And so that's when it's like, is it possibly autoimmune? Is it, um, you know, more of a something to do with like a particular organ, like a poor formation of some sort? Um, is it, is it genetic maybe like there's a genetic predisposition of something. So they would have to investigate there. Okay. So what is your health like now in this moment? And what was the journey like from the time you got to be a health coach to now? So my health is much better now, but it's still, it's still a journey. And I think that's with something, I think everyone kind of understands that, you know, you don't get better overnight. Um, considering the fact that I was sick for what close to 15, 16 years, you know, it, it takes a while to recover from the damage that somebody has done. I mean, and I was, I didn't just have an eating disorder and I didn't just have hypothalamic amenorrhea. I mean, I did, I, I was addicted to drugs at some point in my life. I was a binge drinker. I used to smoke. Um, I overexercised a lot. You know, I did everything. So to bring to be in a state like that where you're just constantly in a state of catabolism, you're you're wrecking your system, and all you want to do is deplete yourself, and then to bring yourself back to a state of where your body could actually regenerate itself is very time consuming, but you know, you will see steps, you will see differences along the way. I mean, I got my period back, thankfully. <laughs> um, so at least that's back on track. I'm eating much better. I'm weight restored. Now my hair is finally growing back. It's, you know, it's a slow process, but, um, it's much better than what it used to be. That's for sure. That's great to hear. Um, I tell the same thing to all my clients that healing is not linear and, absolutely what you said. Like if you, it took you this long to get sick or you were sick for, you know, such a long time, 
it might take a few months for someone. It might take a few years for someone. We don't really know, but as long as you're putting in that work and you're dedicated and you really do want to make the changes, you will see that progression over time. Like you're saying, yeah. And now, so I'm a little curious if you're open to talking about this. So you mentioned binge drinking, drug smoking. Okay. These are hard habits for people to break. How did you, what was the moment in your life where you said, I need to change this? Like, was it a specific moment where you knew that you were going to drop all of those things or was it a slow progression? Like, how did you overcome those, those habits and switch over to healthier ones? So it's a, I think both. So, um, I did not have all of these, um, all of these uh, vices throughout my entire time of having my eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up, I stopped drinking at around the age of like my early twenties because it got so out of hand that I was feeling sick all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was just, it was just this one party, this one last party that I had woken up. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what happened. Um, I, I, I woke up feeling so sick that I thought I should like go to emergency. It was really bad. And I said, you know what, maybe I shouldn't drink anymore. When it came to smoking, um, again, that was done very abruptly. And that was because I didn't have a choice. I had ended up in a mental ward and there they did not allow us to smoke. So, um, you know, after being in there for a couple of months, you kind of lose the addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, so then I said, I shouldn't just, I shouldn't pick it up anymore. I mean, after I left the ward, I had really been trying to recover, but it didn't really work, but I never got back into smoking. Um, did I mention self-harm? No, I didn't mention it, but, um, that was something that I had, I had struggled also for many, many years and only maybe two, three years ago, I would say two years ago, have I slowly progressively stopped. Um, it was like, a, it was, it, it was very hard for me to stop that in particular because it was like either I hurt myself or I overexercised. It was like a battle between the two. And so I tried more to overexercise than actually hurt myself. And then I slowly cut down on the exercise um, as a replacement to be able to manage my emotions and what I was going through and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, And in terms of, you know, being able, like figuring out what what made me want to recover. I think it was, like I said, back in 2017, I was at my breaking point. My manager had come up to me at the time I was working part-time in a men's dress shirt and tie uh, retail store. And she came up to me one day and she said, if you don't get your shit together, I'm going to fire you. Um, And it was because I was just so I was putting my eating disorder before my job and she saw it and she, she loved me like her own kid, but she was very cutthroat and um, said, you know, listen, if you don't get, if you don't pick yourself up, then I'm, I'm going to force you to. So 
and there was just so much happening, you know, like I was ending up in the hospital every single week with nosebleeds and no one knew why. Um, they, they thought there, I remember a doctor told me that they thought I was having mini seizures. Um, my hair was falling out. Um, I had no energy. I couldn't digest food. Um, I was weak all the time. You know, it was, it was like, well, what do you want out of life? And originally, like you mentioned before, I was a journalist and I had gone into journalism because I wanted to make a difference in the world somehow, um, because I felt like people were not communicating the way that we were supposed to, they weren't communicating how we're supposed to communicate as humans. I felt like people exempt, like, you know, they would say what they're, um, what their opinion is, but they wouldn't bridge it on to something else and try and merge people's opinions so we could live with, um, you know, one another. I, I felt like there was always a divide between writing and journalism. And I didn't like that. And that's why I went into it. But I felt like I would, as with writing, you can't always help people personally on a personal level. And I thought to myself, I have to change my ability to change myself. I have to help myself first if I could help other people. And so I think it was just that switch where I was like, if I'm going to do anything in this world, I really have to get better or I'm going to die before I can do anything. So, wow. Yeah. So how did you, how did that transmute into natural health, like holistic things? Um, how did you find, I know you went to IIN and we're, we're both FDNPs, which is the functional diagnostic nutrition practitioners. Um, so we do work with food as medicine and stress management and all these things. So how did you get to that part? So, um, because I was in and out of, uh, psych wards, most of my life, um, the Western medicine approach was never something that I felt supported by. Um, a really big portion of my eating disorder recovery was like doctors constantly telling me I had to go on anti-anxiety medications, antidepressants, um, and whatnot. And I never accepted them because I just, there was something in my gut telling me I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable doing it. Not that there's anything wrong necessarily to go on these medications if you need them but I felt like it wasn't solving the actual root cause of my problem which was I'm sure at the time more emotional um, and trauma-based than anything physical mm -hmm. but um, I also knew that I had something deeper happening inside of me with my gut issues my hypothalamic amenorrhea you know they were offering me birth control to fix it and whatnot and so I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this on my own. Like, I don't want any doctors. I don't want any institution. I don't want anyone to be following me. I'm, I'm going to figure this out on my own. And so I turned to food as medicine, um, as a way to heal my relationship with food to, so I could slowly start recovering from my eating disorder. So I started looking up what are the benefits of like this food and what are the benefits of that food? And how could these foods help benefit my current problem? And that's how it started. And I ended up finding IIN, which was fine. I mean, it's a very basic certification course, right? You know, mm -hmm. where they teach about every single diet on the face of the earth. And um, it was great as a big, as a beginning, as a stepping stone. But then I found FDN because I felt like with FDN, 
you have more control over what could be happening with your client and you're able to investigate even deeper. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought the same thing when I was trying to decide between the two programs and I'm very happy I went with FTN. Um, but that's beautiful that you were able to heal your eating disorder through food and then kind of progressed the way that you did. Um, we could go so much deeper into your story, but let's switch tracks a little bit. So what is the relationship between amenorrhea and hypothyroidism and kind of what can come from those issues? Yeah, sure. So basically with hypothalamic amenorrhea, it's a stress, it's a stress response, right? On the body. So as we know, when your body's under any type of a stress, whether you're over-exercising, you're under eating, you're going through a trauma, you maybe it's medication you're on or something like you name it, your body will prioritize what it has to, what, what it will allow for things to function. Right. And you bleeding every month is not a priority unless, you know, you're planning to have a child, but if you're running from a bear or if you're not getting enough nutrients or if you're overexerting yourself, your body's going to be like, hey, listen, I really need to focus on other things. When it comes to hypothyroidism, um, it could be many issues. Again, it's a stress response. Hypothyroidism could develop into could be developed from many things like poor uh, mineral imbalances. Um, it could be uh, poor liver detoxification because the majority of your um, majority of your active thyroid hormone is converted in your liver. It could be gut issues um, because that's also a portion where there there's also a portion of your active thyroid hormone that is converted in there um, or. It could be like a bacterial infection, heavy metal toxicity, all of these things. But if we look at the two, the two are still stemmed from some type of a stress response, right? And if you don't have the right minerals or poor or the right type of um, nutrients, again, your body will start prioritizing what it needs to do. And another thing is that progesterone is actually dependent on thyroid hormone and thyroid hormone is also dependent on progesterone. So if you're not producing adequate progesterone, again, with hypothalamic amenorrhea, you're probably not, then your thyroid is going to, um, your thyroid won't be able to support itself. So these are the two, this is how they're both um, interrelated. Okay. Yes. I, even myself, I have Hashimoto's. And years ago, before I was diagnosed, I didn't have a menstrual cycle for like three years because I was hypothyroid slash Hashimoto's. So that is a very common thing that we see with the thyroid and super unfortunate, but how do you get out of it? Like, first of all, what are your thoughts on birth control with that? Like, is that what someone, a doctor would typically say, oh, you're, you don't have your period, like get on birth control to regulate it, to give you this fake period. And what are your thoughts on that? So, um, I, I personally don't think that birth control is obviously going to fix anything. Right. I mean, completely mm -hmm. shuts down ovulation, which is the whole purpose to having a menstrual cycle in order for you to be able to continue to strengthen your heart and your brain and your bones and, um, have the ability to have a child is ovulation. Even if you don't want a child, you still need to ovulate in order to stay healthy. 
Um, and the birth control doesn't do that. The birth control is, well, there's two types of birth controls, right? There's one that are, just have the estrogens in there. And then there's some that have both estrogens and progestins in there. Um, so it depends on which one that you're on, but most of them are just estrogens in there, which, but they're synthetic estrogens, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it solves anyone's problem. All it does is just stop ovulation completely. You're having a fake bleed every month. And yeah, sure, you can't get pregnant. It's like what, 98% effective, but um, what's going to happen in the long run? Because the birth control has also been shown to deplete nutrients. It's also been shown to, um, you know, potentially also hurt that HPA axis signaling. And so, you know, you're, you're gonna, you could end up with issues down the line. Right. How do you have that conversation with a woman? Uh, say someone comes to see you and they're on birth control. Do you, what's your way of approaching that? And then also what's your way of approaching someone who wants to get off of it? So if someone comes to me and they're on birth control and they have, I don't know what kind of issues, but let's say they have gut issues, they have hormonal acne, or um, they're dealing with real, like they're dealing with an HPA axis dysregulation. Like you could see that they're tired. They're not able to focus. Their sleep is horrible. Um, you know, I do have that conversation and I try to explain to them, this is what birth control does. At the end of the day, it's your choice on whether you want to get off of it or not. I do also explain to them that there are different methods of um, hormonal birth control or non-hormonal birth control ways that they could actually monitor themselves. Um, and, you know, it, at the end of the day, it is their decision um, because they have the right, you know, to bodily autonomy with this, right? Um, and if they're open to it, I do try really hard to uh, suggest them to go see a fertility awareness coach, um, because I'm not specialized in that, but we do try, I do really try, you know, to, um, you know, suggest that with, as the best case scenario, if they do want to get off of it, um, then the best, the best thing to do right off the bat is to try and, um, replenish all those lost nutrients that the birth control has potentially, um, diminished. Mm -hmm. just so they could get to, they could get like at a stronger state and then, you know, we can kind of move forward with whatever healing process that they're dealing with. Because to me, if you're not well nourished, if you're not properly fed, if you are not, um, if you don't have the tools in your toolbox in order to properly go after what you want to, um, uh, you want to fight off or something, then you're not going to be able to succeed. Right. Right. So what does that look like? What is the, I know it probably looks a little bit different for everybody because um, we're all bio-individual people, right? But what are some typical foods or is there a standard diet or supplements or things that you start people on when they are coming off of birth control? So when, like I said, it depends on the, like not everyone has the same diet. I know now everyone is really into being plant-based and, and whatnot. And I try to respect that as much as I could. Um, I mean, genetics do also come into play too, when it comes to how, how, if, how effective being on a vegan diet can be for people, but the most people can't, um, in my experience and from what I have read and what I've researched. So I try really hard for them to 
focus on eating a minimum of hundred grams of protein a day, whether it's from, you know, you know, fish, poultry, red meat, dairy, if they can digest it. Um, and then if they want to add in some plant-based sources like, um, lentils, chickpeas and whatnot, if they could digest that too. Um, we try to focus a lot on having some very easily digestible carbohydrates. So that's like fruits and roots. Um, and if they want, they could add in some leafy greens if it doesn't irritate them too much and making sure that they're having enough fat in their diet. So things like, uh, butter, cheese, tallow, ghee, avocados, olives, and things like that. And so we would just try and focus to see if they have a well-rounded diet first. That's amazing. I, I love using food as medicine first too, and then kind of progressing from there. Yeah. Um, do you do testing with all of your clients and what are the standard tests that you start with for people? So I don't do testing on all of my clients and that's the, and the reason because my, most of my clients are like in their twenties to 30 range. Um, most of them are either just starting a family they're or like they're in the middle of their careers or some of them are still even in school and testing is expensive, right? Um, granted, I also live in Canada, so people are not used to paying for medical services. Everything is covered by Medicare. So when I present to them like a lab, they're looking at me and they're like, that's really expensive, Barbara. And I'm like, I know. Um, so I try to be very mindful. But if I do ever test, I really, really like to do HTMAs on people because it really gives me a good insight on as to what's happening in the body. You could tell so much with mineral imbalances. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they have the liberty to be able to test for a Dutch test, then I like to do Dutch. Um, but if they're coming to me specifically for gut issues um, or if we kind of have an idea that there's some type of dysbiosis happening or a potential parasite, even that's when I'll recommend the GI map. But those are my three foundational ones that I like to run. Um, I never run food sensitivities ever. Um, I I just, why not? I don't like them. Um, Because I, I feel like if your body's already in a state of stress, it's going to react to everything anyway. You know, you, Yes, it's, it's a good idea to remove foods that you are reacting to for a period of time so your body could deflate, um, so it's not constantly inflamed. But I don't want my client to start being afraid of the food that they're eventually just going to add back in. Um, unless somebody has really horrible gut issues and I'm like, okay, let's do like a gut protocol, I'll do it. But I, I rarely... Not, I have never needed to use a food sensitivity test. So knock on wood. (laughs) Yeah, there's a time and place for everything, right? (laughs) Let's talk about metabolism a little bit. So I know you believe that metabolism is like the cornerstone for all health and health conditions. Yeah. Explain what that means a little bit more for people. Sure. So I believe that if you don't have a proper functioning metabolism, then nothing is going to work. So the, your metabolism is the rate in which your cells utilize and absorb energy, right? Now your cells are what actually do things. They're the ones that are actually creating these actions. Your hormones are just signaling responses between cells. So let's say one cell 
produces a particular hormone, it's going to send it to the other cell and be like, Hey, do this for me. And the next cell is going to be like, okay, I got you. So if your cells are not able to create those signaling responses, AKA the hormones, then how could anything work? Right. This goes the same thing for enzymatic reactions, right? Your enzymatic reactions are kind of like the the spark, uh, no, sorry, minerals are the spark plugs in between your cells that actually create enzymatic reactions, which are the actions between your cells. So we literally run off of all these things. We run off of enzymes. We run off of hormones. So if your cells are not working, which as I mentioned, is really the cornerstone of how well your metabolism is actually functioning, then nothing's going to work. This comes to gut health, to how well you're able to absorb nutrients, to your endocrine system, to sleep, because, you know, we create certain hormones to help us fall asleep, to um, our mood, to everything. So how do you optimize the cells? How do you get someone's metabolism fixed, essentially? So like I said, I like to run HTMAs to see where the minerals are. So I find minerals, I think to be the most important thing because minerals, like I said, are the spark plugs to your cells. If your minerals are imbalanced, your cells won't be able to properly create these enzymatic reactions. They won't be able to create these particular hormones, right? So you need certain minerals for certain processes in the body. And so, yes, I do focus on food first, sometimes the supplementation, I need to make sure that your drainage pathways are open, right? So you're not intoxicating yourself again, like, are you going to the bathroom every day? Are you peeing? Are you sweating? Um, Are you able to um, menstruate every month, you know, like, you could develop iron toxicity that way, like, there's, there's a lot of things um, to focus on to see if you are able to remove the gunk, so to speak, out of your body. Number two, are you properly nourished with your minerals? And number three, are these are these minerals actually doing their job? Is there some type of a blockage within the cell? And that's when we have to look at, you know, infections, heavy metal toxicity, parasites, viruses, and whatnot. Okay. So there's a step process. Yeah. And literally perfect segue, because I really wanted to talk about drainage pathways a little bit today, (laughs) because you recently made a few posts on Instagram about drainage pathways. And I love this topic. It's really not talked about ever. (laughs) Um, So what is, to most people, they're going to say, what the heck is a drainage pathway? So what is a drainage pathway and why should we support it? So a drainage pathway is like you have your emunctory organs, okay, your emunctory organs, as some people would look at is your colon, your, um, your, I guess you could say your brain, your kidneys, your liver, um, I consider the uterus to be another one, your lymphatic system, your skin, and um, your lungs. Okay, so I have eight over here, not everyone would rec- would consider all of these eight, but I consider them these eight. So your emunctory organs are really just that and though this, the, these are the pathways in which that you're able to drain things that are that are unwanted or unnecessary in the system because you uptook them, you know, whether it was through air, through food, through touching something, you know, you absorbed it in some way, you know, and that's how 
that's how we get things into us, right? Whether it's heavy metals, particles, viruses, bacteria, whatnot, anything that is not necessary in the body, we're going to remove the waste. So that's what the amongtary organ system does. And your and this is these are your drainage pathways. So let's say you were to eat something, and it goes into your mouth, and then it's going to go, it's going to hit your small your your stomach, then your small intestine, um, and then your colon. That's going to come out in your feces. That's one drainage pathway that we're speaking of. And it's important to have these open so you could properly remove the waste. This is a form of detoxification. Right. So obviously we have a lot of different pathways, but so you don't have to go into all of them, but maybe tell our listeners a few of your favorite ways to support a few systems, like maybe lymphatic drainage or another one. Yeah. So I, my favorite organ is the liver. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The liver till I'm blue in the face. Um, and I know a lot of people like to do like liver cleanses and enemas and, um, you know, everything. I'm a very simple person. I like to go to the basics because people forget the basics. And I'm also a very cheap person. (laughs) Um, I don't like to spend money on things. So I focus on the necessities. Like, are you eating enough glucose in your diet? Because you need a minimum of 120 grams in order for the liver to function. Are you having enough amino acids, like bioavailable protein? Are you getting enough B vitamins? Um, Are you getting enough antioxidants? Do you have enough like bitter or sour foods to help stimulate bioflow for the liver? And if you really need, you know, some help, then I would say maybe Tudka, uh, which is um, a bile acid from, I think Cellcore sells a product like that, Mm -hmm. Um, or milk thistle um, or artichoke. Like these are some just very simple, basic ways to just support your liver. You know, you don't have to do a whole cleanse, just do the basics first. And if the basics don't work, then go to the next level. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of doing any really crazy cleanses. I don't really like that word either. Um, However, I do like coffee enemas to an extent. I think that they're only for certain people. Like they could be, it could be dangerous for some people, but, um, yeah, I love that you're kind of going from nature and from basics instead of jumping right into some crazy detox and, and give us one more, give us one more example of like another pathway and something you would do for it. Yeah, sure. So, um, one, a lot, one that a lot of people don't talk about, but it's actually very important in today's state of the world is our lungs. Mm. Um, so, the way I like to open up the lungs is um, steam therapy, or some people would say aromatherapy, but steam therapy is a lot more, I guess you could say, uh, stronger because it's there's actually hot air that you're breathing in that's really going to open up the lungs. You could go in a hot shower or just put your face over like a really hot um, basin um, and using some certain essential oils that will help open up the airways such as like thyme or any type of a mint or uh, Ravensara. Um, what's another one? Eucalyptus is really popular. So that's one. Another way that you could open up the airways is just go out side like fresh air is very basic mm-hmm. um you know we're if we're constantly inside we're recirculating the same type of air unless you have a really good air filter and i don't think everyone has a good air filter um there's 
there's like, I think who there's like an organization in um, the United States, but they mentioned that like one of the top five environmental toxins of today's world is inside air. So that's an issue. <laughs> we were and we're not solving it. And that's very basic. We're breathing in things all the time. And right. a lot of people are dealing with mold toxicity these days without even knowing it. Yep. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and you might be talking about the EWG, the Environmental Working Group. Um, Other one, no, different one. Oh, okay. But yeah, same thing. I tell people, open up your windows every day for a little bit, get outside. We talk about clean air filters and all of that. But um, I'm actually a little curious about the essential oils. Do you have a specific brand that you recommend to people? Are you very concerned with breathing in random essential oils like a lot of people will go shopping on amazon because it's cheap and easy for them but there can be issues with quality so is there a specific brand that you recommend so um here in montreal quebec i really like divine essence um okay. it's a quebec company uh they're certified organic they they're they're one of the top quality essential oils that we have here but for anyone who's living in the United States, I think doTERRA seems to be very, very popular. And um, a lot of people tell me they're very good quality uh, essential oils. So I would recommend either or one of those two. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if we can get divine essence here in the US. I haven't heard of it, but yes, uh, doTERRA. And I know Young Living is another one. Those two in the holistic health realm are talked about all the time. So those are probably the safest bets. Wonderful. Well, if you could leave our listeners with one action that they can do this week to help them live a healthier, happier life, what would that be? I think it would be to probably number one, um, make sure that they're feeling good and that they're listening to their body, despite what anybody else says. I think it's really important to listen to your intuition. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you know, your body best and whether you go to a practitioner, whether it's a Western doctor, a holistic practitioner, I don't care. You know how you're feeling. And if you are, if you are feeling unwell, go with your gut instinct. And number two would probably be to get a minimum of hundred grams of protein a day. <laughs> like that is life-changing with every single client that I work with. I love that. Yes. Listening to the body, even if, you know, if you go to one doctor and they turn you down, find another one or yeah. find somebody else, find a health coach, find anyone that will actually listen and believe you. Cause you're right. Like you truly do know your body. Yeah. They work for you. You don't work for them. Right. That's really well, thanks for taking the time to chat today. And if you want to as well to tell everybody where they can find you, if they can reach out to you on any kind of social platforms or if they want to learn more about working with you or just information. Yeah, sure. So uh, you could find me on Instagram. That's where I'm most active at Barbara Madimenos. So that's B-A-R-B-A-R-A-M-A-D-I-M-E-N-O-S. Or you could also find me on my website at www.barbaramadimenos.ca. So what a great conversation with Barbara. You can find her information in the show notes if you'd like to connect with her. And I challenge you to take a tip of what you learned from the show and implement it into your life. And if you find benefit from it, please send me a message on Instagram at Natural Health Rising to share with me what worked for you. I really do love to hear from my followers. 
And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment, rating, or share it with a friend who needs to hear this information. And I do want to mention that I have a six-week autoimmune reset program that is starting on November 28th. And this program is obviously for anybody who has an autoimmune disease like Hashimoto's or rheumatoid arthritis, even lupus. And it is in the perfect time as it's right after Thanksgiving in the U.S. here. So I know that we're all going to be eating all sorts of good foods around Thanksgiving. So I figured let's start it right after. Um, But this program is six weeks of complete meal planning, shopping lists, hundreds of anti-inflammatory chef curated recipes. You learn about sleep optimization, stress management tools, endocrine disruptors, how to heal your gut, so many different things that will help you reverse your autoimmune symptoms naturally. And you also get coaching coaching sessions with me um, and direct support for me online. And I do want to just read a review from one of my past clients who went through this program. She said, I could tell from the beginning, Rachel's program was designed differently. She is a genuine, compassionate, super responsive, and very thorough with her foods lists, meals, plans, and sessions. By week three, I felt 75% better. I've learned so much about autoimmune triggers, how to read labels, food shopping, and gut health. I've been telling all of my friends and family how wonderful this program has been, and I would recommend Rachel's Plan to anyone who's looking to decrease inflammation and live a healthier lifestyle, especially free of autoimmune issues. So if you want to experience what this client Shelly experienced and what many of my other clients have experienced, which is finding yourself more energized, more mentally clear, and feeling good within your skin within just a few weeks of changing your nutrition and lifestyle, then I encourage you to sign up for this program. Um, This isn't just for people struggling with a diagnosed autoimmune disease. If you have any of these kinds of chronic symptoms like digestive distress and brain fog and fatigue, you will still find extreme benefit in this. So I will link this up in the show notes. Um, Again, it's going to be starting on November 28th. So still enjoy all the turkey on Thanksgiving and all the good stuff. And then you will be feeling amazing by the time the new year comes. So thank you all for listening and keep striving to become your healthiest, happiest self.